Are you having the business Sunday scaries, but the scaries are actually for the whole year of 2024? You're scrambling to find the time and bandwidth to think about what you want to accomplish in your business for the year ahead while simultaneously processing the last year. Wait, that was 2021, right? You're staring at the 2023 goals you set at the beginning of the year and wondering what kind of ambition came over you in the first place. On top of that, you worry that you weren't quote unquote productive enough in your business this year and that you won't be able to gain the momentum and traction to move your weight inclusive business forward when the clock strikes January 1st. You're feeling out of control and avoidant, wondering how am I going to make this happen? If this sounds like you, don't worry. Our past selves are raising our hands too. Then join us for a free webinar, Maximizing New Year Energy, How to Propel Your Business Forward Through Goal Setting Cycles on Monday, December 18th. You'll leave this CEU webinar inspired by New Year energy, but not in a weird diet culture way. More knowledgeable about how to take your goals from vision to implementation, conceptualizing how to break down your big ideas, yearly goals, into actionable and attainable goals, quarterly, monthly, and weekly, and you'll feel empowered to lean into the cycles that naturally occur in business. To sign up for our webinar, head on over to weightinclusiveinnovators.com or check out the show notes. Come get a free CEU for your business, and we'll see you there. Welcome to the Weight Inclusive Innovators Podcast. My name's Hannah Turnbull. And I'm Morgan Sinclair. We're two non-diet dietitians, entrepreneurs, and Enneagram 7s here to talk shop about the business side of things. From managing a team of clinicians, to building a cohesive brand, to figuring out how the heck to pay yourself, we get deep down in it, talking about what it actually takes to start, run, and grow your weight inclusive business, the good and the messy. We know your degree didn't include any business classes at least not any applicable to what you're doing now as an entrepreneur. This is why we're on a mission to bring business education to other weight-inclusive clinicians. Say sayonara to all the hours spent on Google and hello to information that is actually relevant. Let's dive into today's episode. Hello, hello, Weight Inclusive Innovators. Welcome back to the podcast. Today, we are going to be chatting about feedback, both asking people for feedback and giving feedback. But before we dive into today's episode, let's check in with Hannah. Hello, Hannah. Hello. What were your business highs and lows this week? I'm going to start with my low, and my low is going to be an apology to all of the listeners about my mic not being on last time we recorded and how shitty my side of the sound quality was. And we can't fix it. I'm so sorry. I hope you still listened. And hopefully we fixed it by this episode. <laughs> that was an oversight on both of our parts. It just, you're in a room by yourself. It didn't sound that bad, but then listening back to the recording and you could like drastically hear the difference between the two of us. And I was like, oh, oops. Your mic matters and sound quality matters. So sorry, that's my low. And yeah, because I don't really have any other lows, which feels really nice to say. My highs are, I don't remember if I said this on the podcast yet or not, but we did get a fee increase from one of our insurance companies, which is super exciting. And maybe I'm still writing the high. I don't even care if I said it before, but it just makes me so excited for the new year and giving my team a raise and feeling anytime we get a a fee increase from insurance, it just makes things feel way more sustainable and like there's wiggle room. And that's just awesome. And it also makes me really proud to be an insurance provider and have stuck it out. And just knowing that the ROI on that has been awesome. So yay, access to care and getting paid. Oh, heck yeah. Such a good high. I feel like even if you haven't mentioned on the podcast, 
we've talked about it. I feel like you mentioned on the podcast though. And honestly, it's a really great high to keep writing because that's, yeah, to know that you're running a sustainable business, especially after our conversation last week, has to just feel so good. Mm -hmm. And my other high is Nourished Colorado rebranded and we launched this week and you should check out our new website. It's awesome. It's very mountainous and beautiful and feels really encompassing of our team and our values and people we want to work with. So I'm obsessed. We worked with Amy Haneke over at Hello and Co Creative. And one of the reasons why I worked with Amy TLDR is she was an eating disorder dietitian in Denver, starting her private practice around the same time as me many years ago. And so she kind of saw me go through the whole experience of growing my company, being solo, wondering if I should do this, not being able to build my caseload to today, six years later, having a thriving group practice with a really strong team. And because she was in Denver and because she like knows the vibe, I feel like she captured it beautifully. And I had to do very little work, which is exactly what I wanted. (laughs) So shout out to you, Amy. Thank you so much for my amazing branding and website. It looks so good. She did such an incredible job on captioning. Because I know one thing that you were talking about was like, you really haven't had a rebrand since you started a group. And so your OG logo, OG brand was just like a little bit more feminine, might be more encompassing of like you as a human. And now I feel like y'all's brand and website like truly match the vibe of the team. It's awesome. Which is so funny because when I think back to our old website, it was like light pinks and light blues. I actually did not like it that much when I first got it, but because it was like six years ago and it was just nourished with Hannah, I was just like, okay, yeah, this is my website. And then when we became Nourished Colorado, the only thing I did was have them update the logos. And then our old assistant had updated our website again to like similar branding colors with a little bit more of what I liked. And then I was like, we just need to scrap this and start over. And it's cool. And such a privilege to have the resources to do that with our company. Right. Um, But it really has reinvigorated like the fire in me of knowing exactly what we're offering and to whom and how our team's essence is. And that feels exciting. So freaking good. I, that's like one of my favorite parts of the branding and web design process is getting to see your vision, your goals, your tone of voice, like all these things that usually just like kind of live up in our brains when it comes to having a business now, like visually out there exactly how we want it. It hundred percent like reignites that passion. This is so funny. And this is kind of related to my high. I am working on a lesson for weight inclusive business Academy and in order to make that lesson happen, I am creating Morgan Sinclair Nutrition, which is not a real business. It's never going to LOL. be a real business. Love it. But I was like, oh yeah, let me put together like a quick little brand for Morgan Sinclair Nutrition to use as an example, just because I needed a business that was like made up. And I literally was up until 10 o'clock last night working on it. And I was like, okay, I don't have a private practice, but if I did, like this would be really cool. <laughs> um, Now I want to see this off mic. So cool. <laughs> I'll show it to you. Anyway, were you, drink- were you drinking your marble hot chocolate? So I actually made my own hot chocolate last night. Ooh. I, I was thinking about grabbing a marble hot chocolate, but um, one of my friends was coming to pick something up 
and we were like trying to get all the timing right and Houston traffic was a mess. And so I was like, eh, if it all like just like make my own hot chocolate. But I made the um it's like the abuelita Mexican hot chocolate. Oh, oh it's so good. So, so good. That's awesome. Good. So yeah, I like put some lo-fi Christmas music on. Don't judge me that this is before Thanksgiving. I love Christmas music. I put like a winter cabin ambiance YouTube video up on my TV and I just like sat at my coffee table and powered through it. It was honestly so fun. I love creative projects. That's so cute. So cool. Love it. Nobody's judging you. You get to live your best life and bring Christmas into your life early. That's awesome. I uh, could definitely use the Christmas cheer. So my Christmas tree is probably going to go up tomorrow, which I'm pumped about. As I was alluding to, I'm going to back it up a little bit. I am part of a group of dietitians that are doing a thriving business holiday bundle. Oh, cool. And it's a group of 15, maybe 20 dietitians who offer biz to biz services. And uh, basically you provide an offer that you have that's between like 25 and a hundred dollars and all the dietitians do that and then people get access to this bundle of resources at like a super discounted price compared to like what all of them cost together and I was thinking through like what I wanted to provide for this and was kind of like going through all the other dietitians just to make sure like I think there's like two other dietitians that also do web design marketing stuff specifically in this industry. And so I just wanted to be mindful of like what everyone else was offering. And I am taking this as an opportunity to bring to life a lesson for Weight Inclusive Business Academy that I've been wanting to bring to life for so long now. And I talk about it all the time, usually off mic and in the accountability club, but it is Instagram 103, creating a strategic 15 post grid Instagram business card. Ooh, yeah, I like it. And so it talks all about like an Instagram business card, aka how to use Instagram as a passive marketing tool. So you're not having to post consistently. Uh, It lays out exactly what those 15 posts should be. And then I'm providing an example by creating Morgan Sinclair Nutrition and putting it out in the universe. And then they're going to get Canva templates as well to create their own 15 post grid. Um, that's very cool. I'm so many people need that. Yeah. Yeah. I'm just like really freaking excited. So that feels really good. Um, but that kind of also leads into my low. If you listen to last week's episode, you know that my mantra for the rest of the year is be still and receive. And I'm wanting to just kind of take things slow, not have to do a lot of like new creation of things. And I said that, and then I looked at what my launch schedule was for the rest of the year. And I was like, you fucked yourself over Morgan. Why did you (laughs) do this to yourself? Oh no. I just have so many, like so many launches and I, uh, launching does not exhaust me. Like, yes, there's obviously more energy used, but I love launching things. And so after this recording, so tomorrow I'm launching the eating expedition, Mexico city trip, which I'm damn yes it looks so fucking awesome it's gonna be so good it's gonna be so good i uh, legit cannot wait and then we have our master class i'm also doing an email marketing master class i have the thriving business holiday bundle and then i'm increasing my prices in the new year and so 
I'm basically revamping my whole services page to reflect those prices. And then I've tailored my offerings even more. And so that kind of feels like a, a launch too. And I was like five things in six weeks. Cool, 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 cool. Okay, all right. I feel like it could be argued of like, these are things that have been in the works for a while and they're not exactly new. They're not. Um, but I, they feel new as like they're being put into the world and you're having to produce still instead of being still. So I, I understand what you're saying. And my, my optimist heart is just trying to like twist it into positive, which I know there's a lot of positive too, but Trust me, I've tried to do that too. I'm like, how can I spin this? How can I spin this? How can I trick my brain into thinking that this is me being still? <laughs> Damn. Not a super low. I am really excited for all the launches, but um, I'm just, I'm keeping all of my fingers and toes crossed that this like creative energy that I've had the last few days doesn't leave me anytime soon because I'm gonna need it. I'm gonna need it. It ebbs and flows. It'll be back if it flows. It's cool. Yep. It'll ebb after it flows. Anyway, you ready to dive into today's episode? Let's do it. We're talking about feedback today, folks. The thing we all struggle with, receiving and giving. There's a lot of reasons why we want to talk about it, but we want to give some examples of feedback first, just so you kind of know what we talk about or what we're talking about, because feedback is kind of ominous. Like, what does that mean? So there's a lot of different feedback we want as weight-inclusive business owners. First and foremost, and probably arguably, I think the most important is feedback from our clients. Feedback from the people that we are providing direct services to that we are interact interacting with on the reg. Um, so this can be clients that you're seeing one-on-one uh, in one-on-one nutrition or counseling sessions. This can be uh, business coaching clients. This can be design clients. This can be folks you're providing groups for. Whoever you are providing a service for or selling a product to, those are our clients. Super important to get feedback from them. That's the only way that we can be validated that we're like hitting the mark on the impact that we're actually wanting to make. Yeah. Or make corrections and adjustments as we hear from different people of their needs. I love that you differentiated between service and product. I think we're going to talk a lot about service today because the service relationship tends to be ongoing when somebody, if they're buying like your digital product, it doesn't necessarily need feedback every so often regularly, you know, in the same way that a service does. Then we have feedback from your team. So anyone who is on your team, whether they are in-house with you full-time or part-time, or if it's someone that you are doing contract work with, such as a VA, biller, accountant, lawyer, like whoever you're working with, providing that feedback or having that feedback go both ways is going to make sure that everyone's on the same page, that everyone's getting what they need out of that relationship. And then there's, of course, our colleagues. So people that aren't directly involved in our businesses, but can see your business from afar and can give you feedback of what it's like to be that third-party person looking in to your business. Um, and this one's really important to think about, like, Colleagues you're intentionally asking for feedback from that you really trust or like who is bringing this feedback to you. Maybe you're not asking for it and somebody comes to you and they're like, hey, I really need to give you this feedback. You get to decide what to do with that. And so if you're receiving feedback from everybody and it's just feeling like, I, I, I don't know, 
it's important to think about like, what are you taking and learning from? And what do you want to do with the rest? Going to leave it ominous. Yes. No, I love that. This was like actually one of the first things that I, (laughs) I remember like processing through in my own therapy because I was getting feedback that I didn't necessarily agree with. And so I'm like, what do I do with this? Like, how do I still have a relationship with someone who's giving me feedback, expecting me to make changes? And these are not changes that I want to make. And so I literally made all, we'll have to share it on like an Instagram story. I literally made like a what to do when you receive feedback. And it's like a little flow chart of like, do you agree with this feedback? Yes or no. And if it's no, then it's like, you can reject the feedback. Like you have that ability as a business owner to reject it. You can say, I appreciate this feedback. Thank you for bringing, bringing it to me. And internally I'm scrapping it. I don't care about that feedback. Yes. And it's, Oh, I feel like this can get so meta and so deep, but I just want to say like, Just because you don't like feedback, the feedback you receive doesn't mean it's quote unquote bad feedback or not helpful feedback. So you have to be able to differentiate like, is this feedback hard for me to receive because there's a pain point and it's true and I've known this and I need to do something about it? Or is it just straight up off the cuff, doesn't make sense, doesn't feel impactful or helpful? And that's for you to decide. Mm Mm-hmm. We're going to start with what it's like to receive feedback. So when we ask for feedback and we get the feedback, this, it has taken me so long to be comfortable with feedback. I don't even think I'm comfortable with feedback. I don't even think that's the right word. I do send out a feedback form to my clients and I, it's like when you're watching a scary movie and you like want to watch, but you like have your hands over your eyes and you're just like peeking through a crack in your fingers. That's what I feel like whenever I send out a feedback form and anticipate the response. You know what I do during a scary movie is I plug my ear holes and cover my eyes. And my partner laughs at me every time. He's like, you're not even freaking watching it at all or listening. I was like, I know I don't want to watch this part. So if you feel like that about feedback too, that's okay. I don't feel that intensely about feedback, but scary movie. Yes. It makes us so fucking defensive. Because someone we are inviting someone to critique something that we've done or offered that we likely can't take back. I think that's where it gets me is like at the end, I usually tend not feedback at the end. We'll get to kind of cadence of feedback in a bit, but if they have something that they didn't like, and I'm like, shit, I should have asked for this sooner. Mm-hmm. I don't think feedback is feedback if it's not uncomfortable. I think then it's just a compliment or a statement. Feedback is uncomfortable. Super especially, uncomfortable. Especially when it's meant to stretch you and help you grow and help you do better. It usually has like a critique to it. It also, I feel like, brings up a lot of our own shit. Oof. And I think this is, I would consider myself a, like, 80% people pleaser. (laughs) Not fully. I could probably block some of it out. But whenever it comes to feedback, I definitely want people to have had a good experience in working with me. And I also think, like, my, well, and. I was like, businesses evolve and change and you learn so much as you grow that you might have gotten feedback when you were younger or more or like more green or anything like that, that you might still be holding on to. And so if someone brings something like that up 
now and you're like <laughs> F, I thought I like took care of that a couple years ago like ooh, can just like really push some buttons it's some inner child shit for sure and like if you had critical parents or people who raised you or family members or like you know it it ties into that and it can often tie into pain points of like not enoughness or like perfectionism and things so we know this shit's hard um I also, I wanted to just give you a little bit of gentle feedback when you were talking about being a people pleaser and wanting people to have a good experience. I think that's two totally different things. I think it's totally fine and good for people to to want them to have a good experience. Um, and I think what you're speaking to is like you want to read on the form that people had a good experience. And that's where the people pleasing part comes in of like, yes. I, I want to know that like they were pleased by me and that this was good. And that reassures me that I'm doing a good job, which I think is just human. Totally. I think it absolutely is. And another reason it's hard is I actually want to ask you a question first. Do you think it's harder to give feedback or receive feedback? Like true feedback that, you know, someone needs to hear, not just you're doing a good job feedback, but like having to tell somebody something hard versus receive hard. For me, I think it's harder to give feedback than it is to receive feedback because I know that I have the tools within me to process through hard feedback. I mean, all feedback, but especially hard feedback. And when I'm providing feedback to someone else, I also want to make sure that they have the tools, but that's also not really my piece to control. And so it makes me worry how they're going to perceive it. Mm-hmm. What about you? This one's hard because because I'm in so many leadership roles in my coaching dynamic with people in my group practice. I feel like it's oof, it's hard to even say easier because I don't think that's the case. I'm more comfortable giving feedback because I know how to deliver it. I Part of my um, specialty in my master's in organizational leadership is communication. Mm -hmm. And part of communication is like being able to navigate conflict and deliver things in a very intentional and compassionate and like contained way to where people don't feel attacked or have to go on the defense as much as I can contain, right? Because we can navigate how we deliver feedback and to make sure that we don't push somebody over the edge with defensiveness, but they still might have their own stuff come up. And so I feel comfortable giving feedback because I know how to check in around it. I deliver it very intentionally and my impact or my intention is always wanting to help the person grow and knowing they need to hear this from me and would rather them hear it from me and help them change something if that is desired than for them to just keep stumbling through what they're doing. Me receiving feedback, it's interesting. I've been doing a feedback round with my business coaching clients and people have been so fucking generous with their time and like giving me really good feedback. And it it's a lot it's to sit with and be like, wow, okay, and not go into the fix it mode. Mm-hmm. And be reactionary. So TLDR, I think it's easier for me to give. I love that we are on opposite ends of the spectrum. It's probably why we work so well together. One piece of it, regardless of whether it's more comfortable you to give feedback or receive feedback, all in all, feedback is so important because it's how we learn and it's how we grow. And even though it's uncomfortable and we often can't avoid it, it is one of the best 
ways that we can continue to move the needle in our business and make changes that are both values aligned for us and impactful for the people that we're working with. Mm, Preach. Mm, mm, mm. And if you need a mantra around that, if you're like getting ready to receive some hard feedback or like give some feedback, feedback is a gift. I like it. Put it on some merch. (laughs) (laughs) Put it on your mug. Okay. Now that we know why feedback is important, even though it's hard, we get it, we recognize it. We want to give some very tangible things to you today on collecting feedback, the cadence of feedback, types of questions, and some commonly asked questions that we get around feedback. So first up is how to collect feedback. There are two main ways to do this. The first one is going to build out some sort of survey, some sort of form. If you already use Google Workspace for your business, you can build in a Google form. Um, I also love using Typeform. Typeform is not HIPAA compliant. So if you are getting feedback from clients and it needs to be HIPAA compliant, make sure you're using something that's HIPAA compliant, like Google Workspace after you signed the BAA. The second way to collect feedback is to ask for it verbally. If you want some really good, helpful feedback, pay someone to coach you and mentor you. Um, I feel like when when you do it in that way, instead of asking someone like, hey, can you just give me some feedback on this? Sometimes I think about my relationship with my coaching clients is like they're paying me to tell them hard shit. And I think that's also why I'm, I'm comfortable because I do it all the time. Um, when there's that kind of even field of like, I will pay you to be able to tell me this thing that can just help you kind of get the feedback you're needing sooner versus somebody who might not be well-versed in giving feedback or be able to support you in the way, or they could fall into the avoidant place of like, everything looks good. Everything's good. Keep going, which is not helpful feedback. It's great to hear. And it can be like, Yay, but not helpful. I don't want positive feedback. I mean, I do, but I want I want the hard shit. Tell me what I can do better. And you can also ask a colleague because obviously you, resources are needed to be able to pay somebody to give you good feedback. Um, but exchanging feedback with a colleague and kind of setting parameters together of like, here's what I'm looking for. I want to hear the all the hard suggestions you have, et cetera. Like, Verbally receiving feedback is a good option too. Another question that we get frequently is how often should I ask for feedback? And we've done a little bit of crowdsourcing with this. And so these are not just our answers. These are collective answers, um, but also ones that Hannah and I both really agree with. Um, I think it really kind of depends on the kind of work that you're doing. But general rule of thumb is, After the first session or first meeting that you have together, every three-ish months, depending on how long your work is together. If you're doing like a three-month work project, obviously that wouldn't make sense. You probably want to do it more frequent. And then at the end of working together. I also want to give a little caveat because I'm thinking that our folks listening might be like, oh my God, how am I going to create all these forms for all these different stages? Feedback, remember, can literally be like, How did the first session feel for you? It doesn't have to be a whole thing. So in my business coaching client sessions, usually at the end of the first session, because I know it can be super overwhelming because we're just like laying everything out there of what's going on. I usually take a couple minutes to check in. Part of the check-in is just like, how are you feeling? How is this landing with you? What are you excited about? What's like feeling priority? Just a series of questions that's going to help me 
be able to orient them in the next session. So it is to help benefit them. And it's not this whole thing. It's just a series of questions. But at Nourish Colorado, after the first session that a client has with their clinician, our practice manager sends out an email and checks in with them, asking them a very simple, how was your session? Does this feel like a good fit? Anything you need on the admin side? And it's really just her closing the loop of her role with onboarding clients and then making sure that they feel good and reinforcing that, moving them forward into their next session with their provider. And we'd rather catch if something's off in the beginning after the first session than wait to hear from the client. So it's also being proactive. This next cadence of feedback of every three months came from a wonderful human in the accountability club. And I had never thought about doing feedback every three months, but I've been, I've thought about this multiple times since we talked about this of how impactful it can be because you're working with someone for a while, assuming you're doing nutrition counseling or therapy or anything like that. And this probably feels the most uncomfortable to me, mainly because I'm not doing it. I usually also have that like after first session check-in because my calls are usually overwhelming as well. And I'm just want to check them, see how they're doing. And then I always ask for feedback at the end. And I've never thought to ask about it along the journey. But I think this can be really impactful for them and really keep a open line of communication to make sure that they're getting what they need as well. And I think about this in a way of whether you're a therapist, a dietitian, a service provider, as a designer, I see clients on the rec. I kind of have my usual spiels, routines, metaphors, guidance down. This is likely the person on the other, on the receiving end is likely their first time ever going through something like this. And so keeping that in mind as we're going through work together, I'm like, they've never done this before. So I want to make sure that I can provide a space for them to ask all the questions, give me all the feedback, see how things are landing with them. Because not to say that client care isn't individualized or like design work that I do is individualized or business coaching is individualized. Like it is. And like there is usually like kind of like a cadence and guide that we work through just because we've done it for so much. Um, And so making sure that it's, it feels really personalized to them by allowing them to be empowered to give us that feedback. And it's really important for the person taking someone through something. So design work through nutrition counseling, through therapy, through business coaching, that you are the one initiates feedback. You're the one that starts that conversation because you really don't want to wait until someone's giving you feedback that like you shouldn't have known a while ago. You starting off and creating a place where feedback is encouraged and desired not only helps normalize feedback in general, but is going to make the process so much smoother for everybody. And it is your job as the leader to do that. And then it's important to ask for feedback at end of work together. This is what I think is probably the most common sort of feedback amongst people. I think it is important to ask for it before. This is usually what I do is I send them a feedback form at the end. I've gotten some really good feedback that I, that has led me to make changes in my business. There are a couple of questions that I love asking at the end of work together. So I'm just going to run through those really quick and then you're welcome to add more. But the top 
six questions that I usually have required in my feedback form is what I liked most about our work together was what were your hesitations before working together? Before working together, I felt. After working together, I felt. I think you could serve clients better by. And then this is my favorite question to get a testimonial. (laughs) If you were texting a friend, encouraging them to work with me, what would you tell them? Those are beautiful. I almost feel like the questions in the order you asked as well, it's almost like follow your own journey and create your own testimonial from those questions. And I wonder if you did that on purpose. Oh yeah, that was very intentional. Amazing. I just sent out a survey recently as well for my business coaching clients. And some of the questions that I really liked asking outside of the traditional of like, you know, how was your business before we started? What does success mean to you? Um, More into like our work together. I asked folks like, what do you wish Hannah did more of? And what do you wish Hannah did less of to kind of give them a leading thing to think about of like, in our work, what are you feeling like you want more of and what is like too much? And that's been really interesting. And then I also asked, what question am I not asking you that you wish I would have asked? So just the opportunity Mm -hmm. for like an open ended question and then for them to answer it. So that's been really cool to see as well. So it's feedback about the work and direct feedback to me, but it's also just like opening a line of communication for whatever they think I need to know. Absolutely. And, you know, we're sharing these questions as the feedback that we're getting from more of a biz to biz support system. These types of questions are also going to differ depending on who you're asking and the audience and the type of work that you're doing. Um, We just want you to kind of see what types of questions we're asking, and then you can always tailor those to the, to your audience. Which leads to thinking about the why of feedback and not just collecting feedback to collect feedback, like the way you ask questions and what you're exactly collecting from people should have an end goal in a way of, yes, it's going to help you grow and change things that you need to, but also it can be a way to collect data points and you can have a whole group of people of like, oh, out of my 20 clients that responded to the survey, 80% of them said that I do this really well. Oh, that's interesting. Like it's not just one person's feedback collectively. There's a trend here and that's really cool. The other piece of collecting feedback and the why is wanting to have a system where you're closing the loop of feedback and taking action from it. So it's not really helpful to have feedback if you're doing nothing with it and you're like, oh, this person thought this sucked. Like, okay, that's not going to help you grow. What is the action item you're taking from that feedback that you want to take and that feels helpful to make a change? One of the hardest things for me is... If someone has not had the greatest experience, if I should still send them the feedback form, what do you think? I think there's a lot of reasons why someone may not have a good experience or even if it's not a total shit experience, but just you feel hesitant sending it to somebody because you feel like the answers you're going to get could have some criticism. And I think those are the most important ones to send, even if you don't want to. I'm right there with you. It's And the question is like, even with that, do you still ask for the feedback? TLDR, yes. Even though it's probably going to be the most uncomfortable feedback that you're ever going to get. 
Yeah. And it's so interesting because things can go wonky for a variety of reasons. It's one of those like yours, mine, and ours kind of thing. So really tapering expectations and your role in that experience and kind of heeding the feedback on that is important. Because if somebody had a bad experience with you at things that are out of your control, it's important to name that. Or things that had nothing to do with you, it's important to name that. So feedback, just being curious about where it's coming from, what's helpful, like we talked about earlier in the episode, what's to learn from, what doesn't make sense. As we wrap up receiving feedback, what would your TLDR be for receiving feedback? Crack yourself open, wide open to receive it and let yourself be uncomfortable because it's a gift, truly. And do it consistently throughout your time of working with other people. Yes. Now we're going to move on to actually giving feedback. And I'm going to let Hannah take the reins on this one because I get so uncomfy giving feedback. I will just start with this though, because this is my little optimistic self whenever it comes. I love giving positive feedback. I love giving people words of affirmation. So I'll start with that because I think this is important too. This was the this is from a conversation I had with a friend and she was telling me about how whenever she was working her corporate job like her and one of her colleagues were talking about um another girl in the business who had just like executed a workshop or something like that and my friend and her colleague n- not the one that gave the workshop were talking about what a great job this girl did my friend's colleague was like have you told her that like you just told me that about her and like hyped her up but like have you gone directly to the girl that gave the workshop and told her that exact feedback and she was like huh no I haven't I'm gonna make it a point to go do that and so I think this is something that's super important to keep in mind as well especially when we're talking with colleagues or when we're talking with team members of if someone else did something that was also really great making sure that they get that feedback as well That's such a good point. And I can think of that in the context of group practice where I'll be talking to Caitlin, our practice manager, and talking about one of our dietitians being a total rock star. And I'll have a moment where I catch myself and I'm like, oh, I should like recognize this person to this person and then to our team as well, because people need to hear the good feedback. Like they don't know that I'm thinking good things. They're probably like, what is she thinking? Mm -hmm. Um, So that's such a good reminder of if there's positive feedback, give it. If there's critical feedback that you think somebody needs to hear, give it. It's important. Giving feedback is the reverse of receiving feedback. Who are you going to give it to? Clients, your team, and your colleagues. How you give feedback is really important. Number one, doing it, like actually giving feedback, and how you deliver it matters. Because you can be the person that repairs somebody's relationship with feedback by doing it in a constructive kind. And what I like to lean on the concepts of radical candor around um, just really strong feedback that cares personally and challenges directly. Those are concepts of radical candor. Highly recommend the, the book. It's one of the top leadership books I like to have group practice owners read. Because if we're giving feedback that kind of goes around the issue and isn't direct, then we're being confusing, not clear, murky, and that's not actually giving feedback. That's just saying, I've got a secret about something about you and I'm not telling you directly what it is and that doesn't feel good and it doesn't do the thing that you need it to do. 
it's also problematic to give feedback and be very direct and just be like, you suck, fix this. Like none of us want to be that person either. And not giving feedback at all and being silent, but then resenting or thinking a certain thing about somebody, that's not helpful. So when you can be direct, deliver it in a way where it's radically candid, challenge directly, care personally, that can be a way to heal somebody's relationship with feedback. And they will be able to model that from you and give that feedback to other people. And I think this is so important in teams as well, because what it also is, is just kind, nonviolent communication. What are your thoughts on feedback sandwiches? Oh, I love that you asked this. I think they're important. I think if you come in there and even if you're being radically candid with somebody and you're just giving them even perceived critical feedback, that can still be really, really hard for somebody. And I don't think a compliment sandwich should... Did you say compliment sandwich or feedback sandwich? I said feedback sandwich because... This is a whole other story. You don't call a sandwich by what type of bread it is. You call a sandwich by what's in the middle. And so it's not like a compliment feedback compliment because the compliments, the bread and the feedback is the meat. And so I called it Uh a sandwich. Anyway, I love it. Regardless, that feedback sandwich, feedback torta. We don't want to just quote unquote soften the blow if that is the intention of I'm going to I'm going to think of something positive to tell them just so I could deliver them this hard thing and then I'm going to follow it up with something positive because that can kind of lead us out of that radically candid place and into ruinous empathy which is another part of the quadrant of radical candor that is giving somebody feedback but really backing away from making an impact with your feedback because you need to buffer it. So it's really contextual of if that's actually helpful. Here's what we don't want to do either is when we're giving feedback, we don't want to only give feedback on the things, quote unquote, people need to fix. We do want to tell them when they're doing a good job or where they're really strong at. And so I don't know if it needs to happen in the same conversation. Maybe that's where I fall with the feedback sandwich. Maybe it needs to happen over time. The kind of feedback you're giving is a balance of positive, affirming, like validating and growth feedback. Giving feedback is equally as important as receiving feedback. I like to think of it as a give and take. I One of the reasons why I asked my business coaching clients recently for feedback, and also I asked my team at Nourish recently for feedback too, we just did quarterly check-ins, is I want to, if I can receive feedback and flow, it's kind of woo-woo, but like have that flow in my life that means I'm going to be able to give other people positive feedback. It's kind of like an energy exchange. So think about that. Anytime you're giving or receiving feedback, you're going to exchange that energy somewhere and like normalize this because it's helping us all grow, whether you're the one receiving or giving because it practices different skills, different vulnerabilities, different tolerances of discomfort. And it's absolutely required if we want to keep doing the damn thing and get better. Thanks for listening to the Weight Inclusive Innovators pod. If you like what you hear, subscribe to our podcast to add us to your queue every week. Please leave us a rating and review and share with a friend to help us reach more weight inclusive business owners who could use support and pep talks. And join us for our webinar on December 18th to help get your business ready for that new year energy. We'll see you next week. Bye.